Hello, everyone. My name is Julia Ferrioli. It is May 16th of 2023. I don't like to admit that part. Um, and I am here today with Filippo Falsorda, and we are talking about maintainership and which is most appropriate because this is maintainer month. Um, is it now? It, it is. May is maintainer month, apparently. So we are, um, we are right on topic. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, I just tried to tab out to that website that tells you what day of March 2020 it is to make a joke about that. And I didn't pull it up but, uh, fast enough. But yeah, it, I, I feel you are not admitting it's 2023. COVIDstandardtime.com, I believe, is the one that I typically reference. There you go. Yes. Um, would you like to in introduce yourself? Uh, absolutely. Um, so uh, I'm Filippo and I work uh, on Go and cryptography. I think that's the most general seminar for what I work on now. Um, I've been on the Go team and uh, at times um, head of the Go security team from 2018 to 2022. Um, and I still work as a maintainer of the cryptography packages in the Go standard library. Uh, and along with that, I maintain uh, tools like MakeCert, um, a generator for locally trusted certificates, and AGE, a file encryption tool. Before that, um, I was at Cloudflare, uh, and where I worked on cryptography and Go, um, and that's a bit how what led me into the Go open source project. And before that, I uh, maintained for a little while YouTube DL, uh, in sort of a past life, which is a thing that's not really associated with my uh, <laughs> profile uh, uh, anymore. But let's just say that when the RIAA tried to get a YouTube DL off GitHub was an eventful month. I remember that library. I did not know you were the maintainer of it. Uh, okay. Yeah, the, the, the maintainers just were super welcoming to this I think high school, yes, high school kid uh, that just showed up and started uh, moving things around. And I remember fi finding out from reading the Python source because it was not documented at the time that you could make a zip file and execute it like a Python script and it would run. Uh, and so that allowed us to stop distributing literally just a giant Python file because YouTube DL used to be a giant single file. Um, and yeah, it was such a weird project. Um, really loved it. It grew so fast uh, with the community, uh, adding modules, and was all um, self-contained and public domain licensed. Uh, so you could not use any libraries. So we had to implement everything, including RSA verification for the updates, which might have been one of the first cryptographic bugs I ever introduced. Wow. I am learning so... I, I feel like I want the story behind that at some point, because um, that sounds uh, fascinating. Yep, I, I, I promise to bring it some other time. <laughs> uh, well, so we do like to start these with a... With a little bit of a fun question, but actually, I am wondering, what was your first programming language? Ah, my first programming language was um, 
media wiki templates that oh. that's going to be my stake in what counts as a programming language there you go um because it had ifs and you could build things with it and by sort of abusing uh, also how the media wiki uh, software worked you could make entire workflows where an editor would just um, put a template substitution and that would kick off a, a series of operations um and yeah, I started in the Wikipedia community, um, Italian Wikipedia, uh, and moved on to uh, JavaScript tools for the Monobook, which was the, uh, the the skin before this one, before that one uh, of, of Wikipedia, and like little JavaScript tools for editors to streamline things, and eventually Python bots, um, and eventually YouTube DL Python. When did you get introduced to um, statically typed languages? Oh, that's a very good question. Huh. What was my first step? So I remember trying and failing to get the Linux kernel to compile or write something for the Linux kernel at least three times in my early uh let's call it career, but just interactions with computers. Um, so that was an attempt that failed. Um, huh. I think it might have, in fact, been, no, I think I might have written a little C++ to, you, to use OpenCV to make some sure. hello world for um, the image recognition, mm -hmm. like something that recognized where a red ball was in a video or something like that. Uh, but no, after that, it might have been Go, uh, which a person at the Recurse Center just showed me this exciting new language, took me aside at one of the events of the Recurse Center and just showed me this thing. And by the way, I'm going to throw an ad for the Recurse Center in there because it's a community I owe so much to. Um, and the Recurse Center is um, like a, a writer's retreat, but for programmers. And it's one of the kindest communities I know. And you can go and just learn and become a better programmer in a self-directed way for a, a few weeks or a few months. It, it really gave me a lot, including showing me Go, which I remember thinking, yeah, yeah, that's interesting, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing now. And then months later, I picked it up for something. And one thing led to another. <laughs> and now you're you're um, one of, a, a core contributor to Go, which is very cool. It's, it's exciting. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually started with statically typed languages, which I think shows my age more than anything, because <laughs> Python was this, uh, you know, upstart and <laughs> wasn't really taught um, at that point in time. But uh, so, okay, you are a cryptographer, which is an I'd... area I know very little about. <laughs> This is going to be um, a fun conversation. <laughs> um, I I always say that if we do our job well, that that should be the consequence. Nobody else should know need to know about this. Um, I also think that it's often depicted as a more esoteric and uh, almost shamanic thing than it is. Yeah. Uh, but yep. Uh, I eventually I think accepted to wear the, the hat of cryptographer, although there's a whole discourse around what, you know, at what point can you call yourself a cryptographer? 
I just I picture in my head like lots of um, functions <laughs> at, with data going in and out and uh, one yeah yes so unfortunately this is a not video but I see the whiteboard in the background with lots of um, with with functions probably yep box so, boxes and drawing and keys yeah. going into. Um, Chat chat went to uh, poly thirteen oh five. Yeah. Yep. So when when we talk about like open source and and maintainership, we we often talk about the um, you know cultivating a community and nurturing contributors, etc. But I realize that when you're talking about stuff that's used in security it's probably a bit different what it what is that like for you there's a, there's a tension um so i both fall on the camp of uh don't roll your own crypto is more harmful than helpful as um as a saying because um the overconfident people don't listen to it and the people who are good but lack self-confidence listen to it and that those are two negatives so it neither stops people from doing things they shouldn't but at the same time stops people from believing in themselves um but at the same time um it i was realizing this while, while reading some of the pre previous um episodes um that I do have a very different experience with maintainership than um, maintainers of, uh, I guess, projects in other um, in other fields or other areas, because a lot of my job is saying no, and I I know that that's true of kind of all maintainers that have a clear idea for their um, project, but in my case, I almost always want people to file an issue and never ever ever open a PR because I am probably not going to merge it. Mm -hmm. um, and as I was thinking about how to talk about this, I worry that it all, will all sound extremely arrogant. Uh, but a problem that we have is that we need to keep a standard of correctness that's extremely high. And that doesn't necessarily mean that other people can't maintain it, but you need a coherent style um, to, to do that sometimes, uh, even more than in other projects. So, and you need to be deeply familiar with all the parts of the code base. Um, oftentimes, the security expert is just the person who knows the system better than whoever else designed it or or interacts with it. And so, the result is that you want to have written that code, uh, or you or people who you know the style of and you already have a ongoing and long-lasting relationship with so the result is that i have this view of contributions to that it's a little skewed uh, i don't feel like contributing prs is necessarily a a, a contribution that reduces a burden on maintainers i always found the um uh, the refrain of, well, if you're using that project, you should contribute back. I know if, uh, actually contributing back is something that we require more 
effort from the maintainer to review things, to ensure that they're correct. And I think this is in, uh, more true in, in my line of work because I need to make sure that anything that touches the cryptography libraries, we can uh, manage that complexity budget and that we can test it very effectively and that um, it doesn't interact poorly with other things. It's not an unsafe API that will cause the next 10 years of Go developers to shoot themselves in the foot. And so there's all this extra work on every um, contribution. Um, but I guess it's true in old projects in some way. It's just maybe the balance is a little, is different uh, when you work on security. Yeah, and I, I want to dig into one of the words that you're using, which is correct. Um, hmm. Because I think that, you know, it, in this in this context, we've got a like capital C correct versus a lower C correct, where it has a special meaning. Um, can you explain <laughs> what you mean by correct here? So I'm laughing because um, while maybe in this conversation I'm uh, I, I'm the one that has the concept of a correct with a capital C versus the common one. Um, I'm just back from last month, uh, Real World Crypto, which is this conference uh, where academics and cryptography engineers meet. And over there, I am way on the side of the implementer, of the engineer, of the... When I'm at Real World Crypto, I don't call myself a cryptographer because the ones who like write the proofs and uh, do uh, hyper-elliptic uh, curves to, to do isogenous-based post-quantum cryptography are are there and they're re the real cryptographers. And I gave a whole talk um, where the non-hidden uh, non goal, uh, not too hidden goal, was to shift the Overton window towards you know, maybe we should focus on correct with a lowercase c sometimes. <laughs> because when you go there, they, you, they'll talk about uh, formal methods and formal proofs of correctness and proving with mathematical models that the program is correct. And in my experience, that helps. And we use some of that in Go and like um, the, um, uh, the NIST uh, elliptic curve implementations are from a project called Fiat Crypto, which does um, uh, mathematical models of correctness. But also, you know what finds a lot of bugs that and that contributes so much to the track, the security track record of Go, which is, and here I say with a, a hopefully not angering anyone, is better than the average cryptography library out there, and not not. Not mostly, uh, I can't take mo uh, most of the credit for that. A lot of it is Go, a lot of it is the design of my predecessor. But you know what uh, works? Tests. We write tests and then we run tests and then we write more test cases and test framework to make writing more test cases easier and then test more things. And then we find bugs. And that's extremely boring, so it's kind of hard to get a conference to accept a talk about the fact that, you know, <laughs> we write a bunch of tests. It's pretty great. Um, and another section of the talk was, we try to keep the code very readable yes. because that way we spot the bugs better. 
And of course, to a room full of uh, mathematicians who write um, formal proofs of correctness and who are very confused why you won't use their assembly generated by uh, this uh, imperscrutable uh, model written in Coq, and that's truly the name of the language. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just, and you're just, well, that's great, but it doesn't integrate in my build system. And I can't ship that to users. And right. so instead, I'm going to write a bunch of Go and make it very readable. And yep. <laughs> so very lowercase c, huh? It's it's very different worlds for sure. Um, but what do you mean when you say the word correct? Hmm. Well, in cryptography, thankfully, we do have uh, spec to uh, compare to. So job one is making sure that given the correct inputs, uh, given certain inputs, it gives the correct output per the spec. That's surprisingly not sufficient uh, because oftentimes the spec is underspecified. And we're having a whole conversation in the industry about how to write specs that are more implementer-friendly and that are more complete, that are more testable. Um, and then there's a whole host of other issues like side channel uh, attacks and deciding which ones are in scope and which ones are not. And things already get very fuzzy because, for example, the ghost under library does nothing to protect against power side channel attacks. Uh, because most servers don't have somebody that an attacker that's tapped on the power line that can right. measure the differences in power. But if you have a smart card, smart cards are made to keep a key secret on the card while power is provided by an adversary environment. Mm -hmm. So there, if you can measure the power consumption and the power consumption of doing zero plus one is less than doing one plus one, then you can find bits. Mm -hmm. by doing that and then you do that analysis and now it leaked now is code that doesn't protect against power side channels correct depends, depends on your uh, uh on your threat model <laughs> exactly um and then it gets even more in the weeds because um when you get away from cryptography and into security. For example, um, this also speaks to interactions with the community and to running an open source project. Um, we, I used to be behind security at Golang.org, so see all the reports and I still collaborate on some. Uh, and so many of them are, well, if I deploy this thing in this setting, and since we provide a standard library, it can be used in so many different settings and we can't control them all. It's not an application. It's a, um, Then it's vulnerable to this sort of attack. Um, an example, if um, um, if I open up the net HTTP server to the internet and people can just upload unlimited amounts of data, I will run out of memory. Correct. But at the same time, if we pick a uh, app for how much you can upload, suddenly if you wrote, I don't know, the YouTube backend, which I'm mentioning because I don't think it's actually written in Go, but um, where you, uh, well, some of it, maybe, uh, I don't know. I, I have no in insider knowledge. Um, <laughs> where you are uploading um, uh, a video, you certainly want the cap to be higher than whatever I would have picked. So what is the correct cap? Mm -hmm. What is the correct API that protects 
that's secure, that protects users. And there we got away from there's clearly a correct to it's a gray area, you have to define your threat model to there just isn't a correct answer. Mm -hmm. And that's, yep, a lot of the work. Wow, okay. That is a lot. That is a lot of work, actually. Yep. I, <laughs> yep. The it was a lot of uh, my time when I was on uh, on the Go team, and it's a mm -hmm. lot, uh, still a lot of the effort of the folks on the Go security team. And it's fundamentally a unsolvable problem. Cryptography, you can get it right. Uh, you can keep improving the tests and readability and all the different techniques. Uh, but there's a there's a arriving point. Um, it seems this, like it's always a moving target, almost. It is. Yep. Yeah. Um, also, because people weren't deploying things in ways that now they are deploying in, and we still have the same API because we have the Go One compatibility promise mm -hmm. that says that we'll never change an API, right. uh, never remove an API. And that means that we still maintain stuff from 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I feel like other languages have run into this as well. Um, the shift from Python 2 to Python 3, for instance, maybe. Yes. Yep. Yep. Go made a very explicit decision in part uh, after learning from Python uh, not to uh, do a, a break. Uh, mm -hmm. The famous refrain, when is Go 2 coming? Well, Go 2 is not coming and at the same time go to is the, the set of carefully iterated backwards compatible changes that are happening over the years and like generics are here now right uh, right so let's let's talk about the kind of experiences that you have run or maintaining security cryptography focused open source projects how are they how how are they different how are they unique in terms of like the day-to-day -day operations um as i mentioned there's a lot of saying no um and that angers users and i get it um because usually a project wants the only goal it has is to be useful right so if a user comes and says it would be more useful if it did this thing too um, you have to worry about maintainability and you have to worry about whether it's in scope and you have to worry about whether you're making a Swiss Army knife or a precision uh, scalpel. But still, the <clears throat> the baseline decision-making process is, would this make it more useful? Um, instead, when somebody contributes something to AGE or to um, the Go Cryptography Standard Library, the first concern is, will this keep serving as a tool to build secure applications for all the existing users and all the future users. And it's hard to, oftentimes we say no, even just because we don't know how to do it correctly yet. Um, or because <clears throat> it's clear how to do it and it's doable, but it's just so much work that we, it can't be done with that extra care and extra uh, carefulness for correctness uh, and um, testing and readability and everything else that needs to go on top of it. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, there is less um, 
joy maybe in those interactions in a way because there isn't this um which i remember instead from youtube dl of people just throwing stuff over and being like yeah let's put it in or like yeah let's change it like that so it's even better and le and let's merge it and like the thing just growing and growing and organically um instead there's this strong uh control that uh, needs to be kept because there is an expectation of of security, of correctness, of um, also safety. Um, Go has the um, Russ Cox um, encouraged me to write down what drives the decisions, and we wrote it down as um, the Go Twitter some libraries have to be uh, secure, safe, uh, practical, and modern in that order. Mm -hmm. Um, so you have to first think if you can make it secure, then you have to think if it would be safe to provide to users, then you have to, you have the practical, which usually, you know, most projects will tell you that security is um, the first concern, but honestly, I don't think that's true, and I think that's okay. Like, I, for many projects, it, I know it's coming from a security person, uh, <laughs> security is a trade-off. Um, it always is. It's a uh, how much do you want to invest in, uh, and how much. And for many projects, it doesn't make sense to invest in security as much as for an encryption tool. Mm -hmm. That's natural. That's okay. Mm -hmm. um, so the the trade offs end up being different. That I mean that makes that makes perfect sense. I mean the for most projects the security comes by way of their dependencies, right? Um, and their platforms. And their platforms, for sure. We're not, mo most of us are not hosting our own servers anymore. Yep. And right. so don't have to think about uh, a lot of things around side channels, around right. uh, denial of service, mm -hmm. around um, so many different things, which is great. Um, I, I love seeing tools for people to build things that are just based on the joy of exploring things and don't require thinking about, will this be secure at every single step? And I think it's a sign of a mature technology. Uh, case in point, LLMs, um, like ChatGPT and uh, all, all these large language models are not a mature technology, and you see it because they're isn't a, a tool set to make them secure you have to assume they'll just do can be made to do whatever um there's um these great articles by um simon w i know him by handle uh, i think i know the sermon but i'm not gonna simon say wilson Wilson, thank you. Yes. Um, uh, about all the different uh, ways uh, uh, you can get large language models to do things that are, weren't meant to do and mm -hmm. how we don't have an answer as an industry. And it's so, uh, it reminds me so much of the 90s for programs before we knew to separate very clearly user data and extractions, never doing band signaling, all these hard learned lessons that now with prompt engineering have gone completely out the window, which I don't think is a necessarily an indictment. It's a new technology. We haven't figured out how to do those yet. It's, it's true. It's oh. true. So it it does seem like because of the, the, the understandable nature of 
of um, your your projects, it's it's got to be a little bit more like taxing from a personal and emotional and uh, you know joy sheer joy level. Yeah. You, um, sorry. Go ahead. I was wondering if, like, how do you how do you cope with that, or it, is it as taxing as it sounds, or? Yeah, I I read a um, skeet. Is that how we're calling them on blue skeet? I, 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 I think so because <laughs> okay, nobody's checked great. Urban Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I read a post on uh, on blue sky the um, the other day that was along the lines of. Um, making your vocation risk based on risk assessment is uh, is taxing and i definitely see this in the infosec community in general uh, which i guess writ large includes uh security project maintainers and cryptographers and um it definitely showed up for example with the pandemic uh, some of the people who took it most uh, systematically um, where the people that I knew in the um, security community because they went into risk assessment mode. And it's kind of hard not to be in risk assessment mode, which, yeah, it's not... It's a thing that you have to cope with and come to terms with. Cryptography um, has the advantage that there's also a lot of space for perfectionism. So in that, I find joy in the crafting. Mm. Um, programmers often talk about the fact that mm, they have to control the urge to make something perfect. They have to move on to the thing once it's good enough. Well, I picked the job where I can instead, no, 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 no. I'm going to spend three more days on these 200 lines of code to make sure they're very well tested. And then I'm going to blog about it. And I'm going to be proud of having spent this much time. And people are going to be happy I did, uh, including whoever does my performance review, which these days is nobody. But uh, uh, you, unless you have a pet. Well, Do you have a pet? <laughs> uh, wait, does a pet usually involve uh, performance reviews? I mean, my dog tells me what to do all the time, so she gives me continuous feedback. Maybe I should get a dog. You should get a dog, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm allergic to dogs, but I'm oh, sure well, I can yeah. find I can find a, a pet that that, that will um, ask me. Uh, so, um, uh, what were your blockers, and yeah. where do you see yourself in three months? Yeah, uh, I mean that. that that is what pets do, right? That's normal. Um, I'll accept that as face yeah, value. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so there is there is joy in the perfectionism in a way. Um, there's definitely a, a close-knit community that forms. So I regularly talk to all of the people that do implementation of cryptography. We used to joke that we all fit in a room. Uh, we used to all fit in a room. 10 years ago, your crypto was probably the entire field in a room. Uh, these days, it's a little bigger, um, but um, yep, still. And um, at the same time, yeah, from on the open source side, there are a lot of interactions where you have to tell people no, we're not merging that. No, we can't have that feature. No, that's not a vulnerability. Or sometimes, oh yes, thank you. That's a vulnerability. That's thank you. Um, but 
um, it is different. It's definitely different. Mm-hmm. So we are quickly running out of time, and this is a fascinating conversation. <laughs> I would love to kind of keep going in this vein, but you have transitioned, and you've you've spoken about this. Um, you've transitioned into being a professional maintainer, uh, and moreover, a professional maintainer of some extremely critical libraries. Um, do you have words of advice for people looking to go down a similar path? So I want to get there uh, because the reason I did this transition myself wasn't really that um, I wanted to change something for my, my, my own work. I basically work on the same stuff with the same people uh, as I did when I was employed at Google. Um, the difference is that Google is not paying me um, and there are fewer performance reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate the changes, but the main motivator was um, figuring out a model and a path for other uh, maintainers to um, to open to other maintainers. So I want to get to a place where I can uh, say, here's how you do it. Um, all the way down to making it into a playbook uh, mm-hmm. because i think that's what's missing from the role uh, it's not a profession because if you decide that you want to be a dentist you go to dentistry school and then you either start an apprenticeship in a bigger uh, dentist clinic or uh, you um, start your own thing in an underserved market uh, and then at some point you either uh, make your own thing but in the meantime you've taken trainings and uh, you've had uh, a countless uh, endless queue of uh, vendors try to sell you uh, managerial software and uh, tools to run your your clinic and then you hire a assistant who specializes in that and who worked on maybe at a different clinic and helps you run the uh, run the place administratively and all these things are well documented well trodden paths and even more um uh, institutional things like you walk into a bank and you say I'm a dentist I would like to start a dentistry clinic I think you want to lend me some money for that and they'll say yes we understand dentistry and here's how we're going to assess you and give you some money to start a clinic mm-hmm. none of that is available for maintainers yeah you luck into a project I guess or you s- like I did with, with YouTube DL, or you start something that happens to become popular and nobody tells you the risks of the job or the complexities of the job. And then at some point you are a critical part of the internet infrastructure and nobody's paying you for it. Unless maybe you do get hired and then you do work at a company on that, but maybe at some point the company loses interest in that or is the project outgrows the interest the company has in it, which is natural. These infrastructural things grow bigger than a single company. That's actually a success scenario, but unfortunately, oftentimes they lead to churn and uh, strain. So this was a very long way to say, no, I don't have advice yet for somebody who wants to do this and doesn't already have an idea of starting down this path. Mm -hmm. So I've talked to a number of people who have already started down this path 
and we've compared notes and we've exchanged um, uh, tips and like strategies. And then at the stage where I think I can be useful in um, facilitating the path that somebody already uh, took, but I'm not ready yet to tell people, okay, this is a path that now exists that companies understand that you mm -hmm. can take and, and, you know, follow like a career, but that's where we should get to because this is a fundamental profession of our century. And it is something that we need for keeping the infrastructure of the internet up and running and alive. And I think that all of the other things we want from open source, like more security or more reliability or more anything, will need to come through a professionalization of the role. And there will be many different models. There will be uh, small firms, big firms, independent maintainers. Uh, um, I think we'll see them all just like we see many different models for dentists mm -hmm. and uh, lawyers. And um, so I'm hoping to be back, you know, in a year or two and uh, pitching, you know, this online course or this specific way to get started. But for now, I'm experimenting with it, have to figure out what works um, mm -hmm. and have to prove that it does, because you'd be surprised who the most skeptical people and hardest to convince were. You might think, oh, was it um, your clients that you had to convince to pay? Was it their finance department that you had to convince to just enroll you like a vendor? Was it legal where you had to convince them to not make you sign an IP assignment? Because no, I can't assign you all my IP because mm -hmm. I have multiple clients. Nope. Maintainers. Yeah. Other maintainers, they, mm -hmm. they'll absolutely tell me this will never work and if it works it only works because it works only for you and i mean i have a lots of privileges here uh, i had a financial um uh, situation that allowed me to start on this i have a personal brand like lots of things that makes it easier lots of things that make it harder because uh, it's a fresh model that comes to understand i think those things will upset each other but still maintainers were always so skeptical and I get it, it's almost PTSD because we've had years and years and years of being told that our work matters, but nobody paying for it. And then telling them, well, then pay us. And then that didn't happen. And then platforms came along and said, we will get you paid. And that never worked. No. Um, <laughs> so I totally get it. I totally get it. And when I say, I think this is going to work, I hear back from companies sometimes who are like, yes, yes, all right, let's do this. Here's some money. And maintainers were like, that will never work. Why are you uh, suggesting this? And I get it. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, you know, we'll make it easier and easier and easier until it's clear that it's a thing you can do. Well, I can't wait to come back in a couple in a couple years time and <laughs> and hear all about it. Um, Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for coming on Open Source Stories and telling yours, or at least one of them, one of many, <laughs> I'm sure. So Thank you. I, I really appreciated this talk. Yeah. Um, well, and thank you everyone for listening and or and or reading uh, this open source story, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>